Welcome back to the Dream Lab Series podcast, where we take you behind the mindset of high achievers. My name is Audrey Diaz-Robles, and I'm a life and confidence coach. I'm Sabrina Castillo, and I'm a life and leadership coach, and I am excited for today's podcast, Audrey. Tell us. I am so excited for personal reasons, but on a bigger level, I wanted to tell our listeners that The reason that you and I started the Dream Lab is because when we found ourselves pivoting in our personal lives and in our professional lives and going on this growth journey, we realized that we weren't raised like this at all. It felt like other people around us, you know, like, you know, our white friends might have been, but this mindset just wasn't taught at homes. We didn't have conversations around the dinner table about growth and how failure is a part of life and how it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to be aligned with what you want inside. And life is not just about doing what is pleasing to other people and checking off these boxes. You know, this idea of checking off boxes is so important to us and to women. So, Recently, I decided that I needed a coach to level up my mindset and my own business, and I looked to one of the best in this industry. So today on the show, we have Mariela de la Mora. Mariela helps women and first-generation women become powerhouse leaders of purpose-driven brands. She's Mexican-American, she's a mommy, and she's pivoted so many times in her own life through so many different aspects of her life, from her career to her personal life. She's been featured in Yahoo Finance. She's been featured in Disrupt Magazine. And I can tell you in the sessions that I've had with her, It's like tears. She really gets me as a woman. And I know that her story and what she's going to bring to this conversation is going to resonate with so many of you. Mariela, welcome. And can you tell us about yourself? Oh my gosh, that welcome. I was like, you caught me right when you put me on. I was just like this crinkly face, like smile. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like my heart. Um, So I'm very happy um, to be here. So um. In telling kind of a bit about who I am, I I always kind of have to, I always start with, I am the eldest daughter of Mexican immigrants. Um, And the reason that that is significant is because I very much took that role on as being, I need to be the golden child. I need to, I need them to be proud of me. I need, I'm, I'm so close to my parents' migration, you know, immigration story and their struggle that I was like, I needed them to feel like it was worth it, you know, like I am their trophy child that they can talk about. And so, um, but that being said, Audrey, kind of what you were mentioning is like, we weren't raised in this way. I was very much raised on like, do what I tell you to do. Um, you know, don't take risks, work really hard because you're supposed to get good grades. Cause you're supposed to don't expect praise. Um, don't attract too much attention, um, as a woman, um, and just get married and buy a house and be safe and get the good job and save your money. And um, you sacrifice now everything so that you can enjoy it like one day, but also don't talk back, you know, don't take up too much space. You know, they don't say it in these exact words, but I really, um, that landed me in a relationship that was very controlling. Um, So through therapy later kind of realized like, okay, I associated control with love. When someone loves me, they tell me what to do and what's in my best interest. So 13 year relationship, um, turned into a marriage. And eventually I caught, got to age 31 and was like, why is it that I have all the things on the grocery checklist of life? I had the six figure job and the house and the husband, but 
it, it was a gaslighting, controlling, toxic relationship. And I felt like I didn't know who I was. So I started to dismantle it bit by bit, um, walked away from the marriage. I eventually quit the job. I had enough privilege um, to be able to have saved money to quit that job. And I mentioned this because this is important, um, the role of privilege um, in hearing these romanticized stories about like, oh, you know, you quit your job. I was able to do this safely. And me quitting my job to travel allowed me to be with myself, allowed me to face my fears and really discover like, who am I for the very first time? And that led me to eventually, you know, moving to London, meeting my daughter's father, getting married again, and, um, you know, starting a dating app, finding a job that allowed me to really like step into my leadership. And although that marriage did not work out, it actually wound up being a very, very repeat of the very first marriage because I hadn't healed my trauma. Um, so again, it was like, a controlling, it was a, you know, infidelity, all of that. Um, what wound up really happening was like at the end of it, it's like everything got stripped away. I was meant to have everything stripped away so that I could be like, I'm starting from nothing, but now I'm going to build it for me and I'm going to build it for my daughter. I'm not going to build it for a husband. I'm not going to build it to get some gold star or some job title. I literally have none of those things that I used to find meaning in. Now I've created my own meaning. I have my own business. I am a life and leadership coach. I work with women like me who are daughters of immigrants who need to heal in order to thrive in their lives and businesses. I feel more free and more peace than I ever have. I'm an example to my daughter of like being happy to do what I do every day and just being the best version of me than I've ever been. But it was not easy and it required a lot of loss um, and letting go in order to rebuild um, from that. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what brought me here that I can relate on so many levels, but if we could just take a step back, because like what you said, you're growing up and you feel so close to their story, right? Yeah. Um, I forget sometimes um, that I, I came when I was one, so the I don't remember coming, right? But I was mm -hmm. one, but you're so close to it that it does, you almost take ownership of that story in ways that, like you're right, you want to be, you want them to feel like it was worth it. And you want yep. to be that golden child that they talk about because that's how our families sort of are like, oh, she's doing this and she's doing that. And then what happens is we don't know how to face failure. Yeah. Because we were always taught to kind of put that under the rug. Um, one of my first jobs, like after college, I got laid off and I had no idea what to do. Like I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell friends. I was like, I'm just gonna find something really quick because that was that was like my first time of really understanding failure and then feeling like I wasn't gonna be that person anymore to them. And it's just crazy you saying that like brings that up. I'm like, that's true, we're not really, we, we carry it with us and then mm -hmm. we have to learn how to like evolve past that in, in different ways. Yeah. What yeah. would you say was like, your turning point when you started to understand that that was a big piece of what was leading you down these paths? I feel like I didn't, to be honest, I don't know that I really fully understood it until more recent years. I think that when I first started, like what I would say the dismantling phase, which was um, age 31, was I kind of realized like, I can't, 
anyone who wants me to continue on in this life and would criticize me, like I can't, that, that's not love. And so if someone were to criticize me for like leaving my marriage, um, which no one did, like, I think it just, it just, divorce just didn't happen in my family at all. Um, and so I was the only person, <laughs> um, but I just realized like, I have to, I have to love myself and anybody whose love doesn't align with my self-love, then I don't want them in my life. Cause I think before what happened was I didn't know what self-love was. And so I, I attached to, I want approval from this person. But I think once I fully discovered what self-love was because I was taking care of my body and I started to like lose weight and put better food into my body and just treat myself well, I was like, Oh, this is what love is. This is what love is. And anybody who doesn't love me like this, I don't want them. And so I think, my, not everybody always understands it's okay, but I think that it wasn't until recent years that I realized like I can't expect everybody to understand because their experiences were so different from mine um, that they were focused on stability or survival and stability and that is where their whole existence was wrapped around that and when I finally realized like gosh this guilt that I feel around wanting more is not that I'm a bad person it's just that this gift that I was given to not have to worry about survival means it created space for me to think up higher on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs from survival to stability to community and belonging to self-actualization. And so that reframe out of guilt was huge for me because for the longest time I was like, how dare you say no to a high you know, six figure job offer when you're a single mother and your grandpa, grandfather worked in the fields. Like, how dare you? That was what I was telling myself. And I think that reframe was like, wow, but they did it so that I could make this choice. So that I think was the huge, that was a huge thing for me is that we stand on their shoulders and that that is okay. And that they can't give us what they didn't have. And allowing me to even forgive my parents to say, you didn't get emotional connection. You didn't get validation. You were not kept safe. And so you couldn't give those things to me, but now I can choose to give them to myself. And what does that look like? That's really so powerful. And I, I find myself getting emotional listening to it because I can really resonate. I mean, I'm the oldest of four. I have three younger brothers. So being the only girl also, that's so much more responsibility. Mm -hmm. The way that our, especially our mothers look at us and oh. all the things that we're supposed to do. So part of that and part of what attracted me to you is that in your bio, you talk about how, you know, first generation women of color are usually overachievers. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And I saw that it led me to a time in my life that I was achieving, achieving, achieving because I wouldn't accept anything less of yeah. myself. Mm -hmm. So when I entered a season of needing to slow down, that also came with guilt. Yes. And so much inner dialogue about what should mm -hmm. I do? Can you talk to us yeah. a little bit about why that happens to us? So I can say for myself, but also with the women that I've worked with, <clears throat> many of us, I actually even had it in my bio at a certain point that I was like, I help high achieving women. I think just because it's the way that we all describe ourselves. And I think that it's because that is what we are validated for when we're younger. It's not you are worthy because you are, you are lovable 
just because you are you, you are you are, you are given attention and praise when you achieve. And the achievement could be good grades, it could be doing your chores, it could be helping with your younger brothers and sisters, which many of us as older children are. It means you are praised for kind of minimizing your needs and being of service. And so you very quickly learn as a child, you identify, um, we all create a role self as a child. You have an authentic self, which is the carefree version of you, but very, very quickly we get conditioned and we realize where do I get attention from, or even just the absence of reprimand? Like where am I criticized and where am I not criticized? So what a lot of us learn is like, I'm gonna shrink my needs, but I'm also going to be of service. So I'm gonna take care of my own emotional needs so much so that I can be of service to my parent um, because they just can't handle it or you know they're struggling financially or my mom is stressed out or my parents are fighting or whatever that is. And so we learn to achieve and that becomes our identity. And it there isn't that there's anything wrong with achievement, but it's who we think we are when we're not achieving. As soon as you attach your value and your ability to be loved by how much you are of service to another person or how much you are achieving, that is where it becomes unhealthy. And that's why many of us who are high achievers often are, you know, we enter into codependent relationships where we only really want to be with a person that needs fixing or needs help or can't be without us or we fall in love with potential because we're like, oh, this, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. Like I can deal with this or a, you know, thankless work relationship where like I can do this. But that is unhealthy and that's where we start to realize like, gosh, why am I just pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and like, where do I fit into this existence, you know? So that's where the the achievement for sure comes in. It's what was validated within us when we were younger. I can totally, I'm also the oldest. So this is like <laughs> the crew of the oldest. Um, yes. <laughs> the oldest and then the only girl and oldest of the cousins as well. So. Oof. Yeah. yeah, the cousins um, are like the family yeah. as well, because yeah. I had a lot of cousins and I was the oldest girl cousin. And then yeah. I had guy cousins. And even just like the expectations placed on them was like, ah, you know, whatever. And it's like, even when they would like bully us, they'd be like, well, yeah. you know, like they're just boys. So it's like, you're responsible. Yeah. Like you're, you have to be more responsible than everybody else. Yeah. And there's very little room for you to like make mistakes or like have needs. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I... I knew what I was capable as a kid, but I also, well, I, I, I'm very aware now of how I also liked, obviously, the praise and the validation. And yeah. so one of the things that people don't know about me, only my mom, because again, you don't share things like that, is that I wasn't always a great student, but everyone thought I was because I always knew how to mm. hold myself up a very certain way. I always knew how to like present myself well. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would, you know, always, you know, people are always surprised even now as an adult, but you're right in the thankless jobs because yeah. there are jobs where I went in and they were like, oh, you know, this is a place where women don't really rise or this. I'm like, bet I'm going to be taking it person. as a challenge. And you take it on as a mm -hmm. challenge because you want to wear that badge, right? Like I right. came here to prove everyone wrong, mm. even if it's going to cost me. And yeah. it's, like you said, it's what we are accustomed to doing, like proving people wrong and working hard for that validation. So the promotions yes. and the raises and all of that so fill your cup for a little while. Right. Mm -hmm. And then 
afterwards it feels like uh again right and and you just yeah. have all these ups and downs and you're right you feel a little bit crazy because you're like i don't why am i not happy like i have a good salary i have a good job yeah and all these things are just bubbling up but it's that right you're not doing it for yourself and i can relate yeah yeah you know what um through through reparenting work, because I spent the last, I literally like had a business coach. I needed like PTSD, like I was like PTSD after working with the business coach. It was me learning to reparent myself. And with reparenting, you actually really realize that a lot of your traumas are very, very basic, just very basic things. And they're connected to a lot of things. What the, the core behind the high achievement and the codependency and all of that is really that we were given conditional love. That, you know, you weren't just told that you were like, okay, even if you didn't do these things. And so I think that what we see is a challenge. We're like, oh, I, I couldn't win this challenge before. I couldn't get consistent love regardless of what I did. So I'm going to keep seeking out, you know, situations where it's not a given and I have to work hard for it because I've learned that I have to work hard for love and I have to earn it. So I'm going to keep looking for situations where I have to work hard and I have to earn it and I'm not going to get it, but I'm going to keep trying. And that's where, I mean, it, it, it translated to me where I was in jobs and in relationships as well. When you start to find that, like, why is this thing happening to me again? Like I, I had to start asking myself, like, how did I end up, how did I end up in this again? It's, it's, you're seeking it out somehow without realizing. So it's kind of like that battle you didn't win or that thing you didn't get as a child. Like you're just going to keep looking for things that feel just like that so that you can right that wrong. But you never really do until you start and you say, I am worthy of love right now. Like, and I don't need to do any of these things to be worthy of it. And then it almost like shifts your internal like radar as far as, you know, what love feels like. But it, the simplest is that most, most of us received conditional love, like growing up. And even from the best households, like I've shared with you, I love my parents, but I know like, mm -hmm. I have this story. And it's funny because when I speak to a lot of my clients, they have the same story. Mm -hmm. I would bring home a 98 on a test and mm -hmm. my father would be like, where's the hundred? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> that and was I thought that was unique to me and I hear it from so many other women. Yep. Yeah. So, so Mariela, question for you. So some of us have to go through heartbreak, have to go through like getting fed up with the job and just quitting because we can't take it anymore. We feel the pressure of our conditioning. Let's say like in our thirties and we have mm -hmm. to change. But for those women that are listening today and they're wondering like, am I feeling this way because I've been conditioned and I, I can't, stick to this story anymore or maybe there's just some things that i can tweak in my life how do you know that you need reparenting how do you know that it's not supposed to be this stressful i feel like it doesn't go when it really is a change that you need to make like it just doesn't go away i think it, you find that it grows and it grows and i think honestly even the feeling of i don't know if this is valid probably means you need reparenting because you can be unsure and it can come from a healthy place. But when you're unsure because you don't trust yourself and you don't even know how to listen to yourself and you're so used to someone telling you you're wrong or you're so used to being gaslit or just, you know, all these things, then you're like, well, I don't know. Am I crazy? Like when you start to find yourself being like, is something wrong with me? Like, am I making this up? Am I crazy? And you need other people to confirm your reality, then you probably need reparenting because it's going to be very hard for you to make any sort of change if you don't even believe yourself. 
And one thing I'll say is like, your feelings are always valid. They come from somewhere. It doesn't mean that the story you're telling yourself about them is true. That may be a story you're telling yourself, but the feeling comes from somewhere. So I feel like that's what it, it's that. And also that it just doesn't go away and it keeps coming up. And if you find yourself in repetitive cycles, whatever that is, whether it is one directional friendships, one directional relationships, thankless jobs, things that have a common theme probably mean that there is some sort of reparenting or um, like inner child trauma related to why that keeps happening. It's so interesting you say that because I, I, I quit my job last year um, to pursue just coaching and the dream lab. Mm -hmm. And I did go through that one. It had been like a a year and a half every month. I was telling Audrey, this is the month. (laughs) And then (laughs) it's, it's hard to walk away from something that like what you were brought up to believe is a very good job. You don't walk away from this. But I had that realization. Like you said, I had two. One was the only reason why my parents weren't able to do this is because they didn't have the space for that, right? That privilege mm-hmm. that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And I did. And then the second realization that I just had based on what you said is when I tell you that this last job was perfect, the schedule, mm-hmm. the salary, the, the the amount of, I guess, control I felt good about having, like everything I asked for, I received. And yet I still mm-hmm. felt that what you're saying, like, if you're questioning, like, mm-hmm. why is it that again, I feel crazy, like I want more, right? Yeah. Why is it that I never have enough? And so it just, it's all part of even when it's good, that little nagging feeling doesn't go away. Yeah, and that's really when I had to take a look. And I remember when I, um, that's literally how I gave notice. I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore to my boss. Mm-hmm. And we were very cool with each other. She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm. <laughs> and it just came out. Yeah, it was, it was planned, but it did just come out like that. Because like you said, even in all scenarios, the pattern always came back that I felt like I was missing something. Yeah. And yeah. And it's like, how would you define success? Right? Because you could maybe if you were to like, say, well, what does success mean? And you said, I want like a stable job where, you know, I get paid well and I have a voice or I have flexibility and cool, you have it. But like, chances are that definition of success might've included something else. Like for me, it was definitely impact. And then that's where, you know, that job might meet 75% of it, but there's that bit. And that bit is so important that you're willing to, you know, let go. Funny thing is, is that um, it was harder to tell my mom than actually going through anything. Mm. Like telling her, yeah, and you know, and obviously they have concerns. She's like, but Miha, like, you know, all the things, right? And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm good. good." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like having to justify it almost. Did you feel like guilty? I felt guilty, but I think I had done enough work. Yeah, to feel comfortable in my decision. um, Yeah, in in what I was doing, but like you said, I I'm 40, and I I have built a certain level of privilege where I'm able to Mm -hmm. do that, Mm -hmm. you know, so that helps. Yeah. And I think even going into the conversation, knowing like your decision is made, you're just telling her like, this is what it is. Cause I think that's important too, is like when you do share it, knowing that it's not because you're, you want opinions, you're just letting them know, like, this is what it is that you're doing because sometimes you get opinions and you know, it's not what you want to hear. And it's like, okay, I hear you, but like, it's okay that you don't understand, but this is what I'm doing. And this is what's going to make me happy. Like, yeah, I can definitely resonate with that because I knew that I wanted to leave this job. And I remember like telling my mom and 
you know, it, it, I was kind of like prepared for all of the worry and being like, yeah, but you have Adriana and like, how are you going to, what if you don't get enough clients and like, how are you going to do stuff? And, you know, I was prepared for that already um, for them to like, not necessarily understand, but it actually wasn't as bad <laughs> as I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. So, it wasn't as bad. Yeah. Sometimes I'm surprised. I've been, they've definitely surprised me a lot more lately. Cause I think a lot of times I think I go into conversations thinking about who she was 20 years ago. And now I'm like, oh, they, okay, she's come a long way. We've we've done some healing work together. <laughs> so they do. They can, you know, not all parents can, but sometimes they can. But you have, but it's important that you're okay, either way, regardless of what they say. And this is when the boundary work comes in. Yes. <laughs> yes. Boundaries are such a key thing in daughter immigrant Latino households, just not even just Latino households, like for sure. Yeah. I know in my family, my mom especially feels like, no, if it's happening to one of you, it's like everybody's business and we all need to come <laughs> talk about it and help each other out. Yeah. So how do we do this work of reparenting ourselves and setting up strong boundaries to have so, trust within ourselves. I mean, boundaries are definitely one of them. I feel like the very first step really is you need like a barometer of what like, of what self-love feels like or what like love feels like, because it's going to be really hard to advocate on your own behalf if you're not treating yourself like someone you love or speaking to yourself like someone you love. And while that might seem like, oh, sure, okay, I think I do, that um, might not be the case <laughs> for most of us just because we did receive the conditional love. So I feel like even just looking at like the way that you speak to yourself or the way that you treat yourself on a daily basis, like would you treat someone that you love this way? Would you speak to them this way? Are you, you know, for example, I would even look at things like I would eat like leftovers that I didn't even want sometimes to be like, ugh, but I wouldn't give this to like a guest or, you know, I would achieve 80% or 90% of something, but then I'd be like, but if you really were serious, you also would have done this thing. And then I think like, gosh, like I, if this was someone I loved who said, hey, I did this thing and I didn't get to like this last 10%, I'd be like, that's great though. Like that's so much more this thing. I wouldn't be like, yeah, but so I think part of it is just being aware of like, how are you speaking to yourself and how are you treating yourself first? And um, then I, after that, for me, it really helped to start um, externalizing my thoughts. So like, I, I literally would start to just like free write like these things that I was telling myself. And then I realized that it, it wasn't serving me and that the voice in my head was, um, I called her like the impossible to please mother because she was just constantly like nagging me and nagging me. And I was, I was taking action based on this voice. Like I was criticizing myself and it was showing up as imposter syndrome and perfectionism. And I was, I would never give myself credit for anything because I'd always look at what more I could have done. So I think those two things is how can you treat yourself like someone you love? And then how can you maybe like externalize some of the thoughts that are going on in your head so you can see where you're at? That is like literally the first thing. And then after that, it's really just like starting to keep these small promises to self to be like, okay, how am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to ground myself in keeping small promises to yourself so that you can say, I have my own back? Because most of us are accountable to other people, but we're not accountable to ourselves. So that could be just a nice thing that you're going to do for yourself every day. For me, it literally was, I'm going to eat before 10 a.m. because I would go till 2 
And I would be like, oh, I didn't have time to eat. But I'm like, but my daughters had like three meals by 2 p.m. So like, how could I treat myself like that? So self-care really, but it's like whatever self-care like looks like for you. And it's, it's about the act, but it's also about you showing yourself you have your own back and that you will do what you say you're going to do when it comes to you, because that self-trust is super important, especially when you're used to betraying yourself and betraying your own needs for other people. Yes. Especially in codependent relationships where you're like, I'm fine. I wanted to do this thing, but, but what do you want? Or, you know what? Like I have my needs met and it's like, no, we need to have our own backs first. (laughs) Cause I would literally say I was going to do something or something for myself. And as it came out of my mouth, I knew I was lying. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. When it comes to me, I'm not going to do it. When it's someone else and I promise it to them, I will do it. And that needed to change. So now when I say I'm going to do something for me, I, it's already done. I know I'm going to do it. I have my own back. It was like, I've gotten to this point of like radical self-love, radical, like self-responsibility. And it shows up in everything that you do. It shows up in who I allow in my life, everything. Um, but it all starts with like those little acts at the beginning. We had lifestyle blogger on on the podcast once, Erica Batista. And one of the things that she talked about is when, you know, you go to like your tia's house and they look at you like, aren't you going to serve your husband that plate of food? Mm -hmm. So everything you talked about right now reminds me of that, especially as Latina women, we're looked at like we have to self-sacrifice in order to be the daughter, to Mm -hmm. be the wife, to be the mother. Yep. So in, in that area, how do we know we're being true to ourselves? You know what? Like, I, I feel like most of us, if we were to do that, like, if we were to really think about that, because I was raised that way too, to be like, get your boyfriend a plate or your husband a plate, whatever. <sighs> I used to feel resentment for things, and like, I don't think that I ever like allowed myself to feel that way or like to even like verbalize it. But I think you'll know internally, like, are you doing something out of obligation? Do you feel resentment and noticing if you're triggered? Because I think our triggers are our best flashlight to whether something is off. And so a trigger is something. So essentially what a trigger actually is, is that the reaction to the event is bigger than the event itself. And it's something where like, let's say your partner says something and it's, and it's like, you have this bigger reaction to it, or your mom says something and it's like a passive kind of criticism And you have in, sometimes you might hold it together and you don't actually say it, but inside you have this big reaction. That's a trigger because you're not just reacting to her saying, are you going to wear that or something? You're reacting to every other time that you've been criticized or every other time your partner has dismissed you or forgotten something that you told him or didn't do what he said he was going to do. You're reacting to every other time. So I feel like when you put that to the side and you don't like, And you're just like, okay, I'm just going to put, that's like self-betrayal. So I feel like paying attention to those things will probably be like a a first sign that like you're betraying yourself um, and kind of just starting there. And that's what with the journaling, I I start writing like, what are the things that triggered me today? And eventually you'll get to a state where you aren't as triggered or the trigger doesn't last as long and you're able to catch yourself in it. But I was living in triggers all the time (laughs) for like always. Um, and that's where you get to a point where you're just like, it isn't even about this anymore. It's about every other time that's unresolved and that I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel loved. Um, so I think that is, are you feeling triggered? Are you feeling resentful? Um, are you feeling things that you feel like you need to shut down in yourself? And that's probably a good sign that you aren't being true to yourself. 
Yeah, I think like what you just said, a lot of people could resonate. Like, are you living in trigger mode? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And what that does to you. Yeah. And, and how you've even lost sight of what's really bothering you because you haven't asked yourself what you need, what you yeah. want. Yeah. Um, and you're just sort of on this loop, right? And and you can't understand anything around you at that point. And that's really hard. Yeah. And you might not even know what you're feeling because I was almost going to say, you know, are there a lot of things unsaid? But I honestly think at the beginning, you don't even know. Like You might actually think you're fine, but you're just triggered all the time and you might be blaming the other person for it. And the thing is, is that they might be, that might be initiating the trigger, but the trigger is yours. Like the trigger is telling you something. So I, I think for a long time, it was like my mom is triggering me or my ex is triggering me and all of the stuff. But it's like, until I was like, well, where, where is this coming from? Then it was, I was, I was literally never going to have any power because I was just walking around every day, like trying not to avoid getting triggered as opposed to like actually facing it and being like, where have I felt this way before? And can I choose to respond differently? Or maybe am I taking it personally? Am I like, what do I need to give myself? So yeah, the triggers. And the reason that that is truth is because your body is generally going to speak to you first before your mind would even know what's like happening. So I feel like that's why triggers are just like this instinctual reaction of like, oh, that will speak to you first before you even know. And I think it's really important to say that this work is really hard to do. Just Ooh, yes. in the last two times you and I have spoken about me, mm -hmm. <laughs> I've gotten very emotional. Yeah. But the thing is though, that if you continue to hold it in, Mm -hmm. to make peace, to keep achieving, to keep playing the roles that we've created for ourselves, it's going to go deteriorating you. Oh yeah. So even though the work is hard to do right now and to mm -hmm. have the courage to speak in your to speak your truth and yeah. put up the boundaries and do the things you need to do, mm -hmm. you will feel stronger and you will learn to trust yourself. Yes. Like you said. Yes. It is yeah. it's hard short-term work, but it's long-term freedom. And it, it can feel scary because I've done some of that work and the fear that usually pops up for me is the only way I knew how to be validated and that I thought I was going to receive what I needed was by being a certain way. Mm, and I yeah. have in the past thought, like if I put up boundaries, then maybe I won't be loved just the same, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. Just a final question before we start to wrap up. So we talked about all of the reparenting and this is how you get to a better state. But when you are living in this trigger mode and you're doing all this, um, can you just share how it shows up in our businesses, in our careers, and how that really becomes like a block for us more than it serves us? Yeah, I think <clears throat> it's almost like signs that you're living unconsciously because I guess that's kind of how I'm hearing it. It's like, how do you know that you're living in trigger mode, that you're living unconsciously? I feel like... I mean, it can show up in a lot of ways. I think it depends on the person and kind of like what the trauma is. But I would say one thing that might resonate with people is that you feel like you're performing in some way or another. You're either performing to avoid, to get praise or you're uh, you're performing to like avoid some sort of like a negative thing. So you're, you're feeling, your body feels one thing and you're saying another. So even in your business, this, this can show up as, um, this was even the case for me at the beginning. I was talking about things I wasn't passionate about. And then I felt like I was, I'm good at it. And I'm good at it and I can do it and I can actually get people results, but I don't actually want to do this. And so I felt like I was performing. Um, and I think 
the other is like maybe not trusting like your sense of reality. And so you're looking for validation externally. So I'd say if you feel like you can't proceed and it's there's a difference between asking somebody to guide you and then having somebody tell you what to do. Because I was very much a tell me what to do because I don't think that I have the answers. So I think when you start to like look for guidance and you're asking people to tell you what to do, that's probably a sign as well that like you're living in, you know, like trauma mode because you don't trust yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd say also just, again, if like this same issue keeps coming up for me, it was perfectionism and my perfectionism became like paralyzing to the point that like I couldn't do anything and there's this block I couldn't get past. And that was another sign. And that's why I ultimately sought help because I was like, I can't get past this thing myself and I don't know where it's coming from, but it's not going away. So there's like this recurring issue that kept coming up and it was getting worse and worse and worse. And then I was like, I can't deal if I can't go past this point if I'm stuck in perfectionism and I don't know where it's coming from. So I think the external validation, the block that you can't get past that keeps, keeps coming up. And then the feeling of performance is probably um, some of the things at least that like resonated with me when I finally was like, I need to get help. <laughs> and it's not business strategy. It's like with myself. And then that goes back to what we talk about sometimes, which is success that looks good on the outside versus that it actually feels good. Yeah. And you feel in alignment. Yeah, because we can succeed at things we don't even like. And I feel like that's one thing I say about high achieving women. We can and we will succeed at anything, but is it actually what you want to do? Because I created a whole life, you know, based on that. And there's people who actually have successful businesses that they don't enjoy, but it's because they think it's what they should do. Yeah. And if it's one thing I, I know personally, and even still kind of like in the midst of my journey, mm -hmm. is that it's it's never the job it's never the you know the relationships it's never it all it's all in internally and those are just yeah. things reflected upon the decisions that i've made or you know like you said the the situations that you have created based on how you were brought up yeah that everything's a reflection and i feel like um that is that's a scary thought, but it's also incredibly empowering to be like, you are actually in control of everything from this point out and that you can, that you can change it. But I think that until you're ready to see that, then you will live in, in the mode of things are happening to me. And as long as things are happening to you, and it's not to say that bad things don't happen, but you do, you do have a lot more element of control of how you respond and what you do about it than, you know, maybe you thought that you did. Well, thank you so much. Um, can you leave us with what your, let's say, mantra of the week or something that you're really embodying right now that can help someone? Um, I think, you know what I've actually said like more than once this week, um, <laughs> just in reference to like not having all the answers is I'm committed to being in the perpetual state of figuring it out. Um, and I think that that's hard for like a high achiever perfectionist to be like, there's never going to be a place that you get to in life. And you probably don't want to get there where, you know, everything I'm committed to the perpetual state of figuring it out, whether it's figuring myself out, figuring out what I want in my life or my business. That's okay. Just commit to continuously figuring it out. You can't get it wrong. That's a good one. <laughs> I love it. And can you tell our listeners where to find you? 
So best place is definitely on my Instagram. I'm at mariela.delamora um, on Instagram. That's where they can kind of get, get a little more personal <laughs> with me and who I am in my story. And if anything that I said resonated with anybody listening, I would love to hear, um, send me a DM. Like I'm very, I'm very chatty in the DM. So I would, I always love to hear impact because it lets me know what to speak more about. Thank you so much. Um, we can't have we can't wait to have you again because um, the, the journey between you and Audrey will continue to develop and yes. there are more nuggets to share. Yes, yes. Thank so you, Mariela, so much. Thank you both for having me. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. It's just amazing to me how the older you get, the more you realize how little you know about yourself. Right. <laughs> And how that's okay because it's all part of the journey and unlearning so many things and relearning other things on how to really find joy. And I think, yeah. I think that's really the ultimate success. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is like, I, I, I always have this achievers mentality and even now I still, you know, feel like I have to not put up a certain front, but honestly, like I have to hit like certain milestones to feel, you know, like I'm on the right track. And again, it's because of all that. But that process never really felt all that comfortable for me. Like I know some people really embody it and they're like that, but it never really felt comfortable to me because I always felt like I was being a little inauthentic because that free part of me never really got to come out as much. And now mm -hmm. as I'm going through this, trying to get to know that part of myself again, like she said, reparenting yourself, it's so hard because we don't, we're not, we don't grow up doing those things, right? No, or questioning so many aspects about why I did this, why I did that. Am I happy? Am I finding joy? Am I in alignment? And especially as mothers, I think, are we modeling for our kids how to find that within themselves? Yeah. Just asking ourselves, like, what do we want? Or why is it that this one thing keeps bothering me? And how is that you know, kind of getting into every nook and cranny of my life where everything feels hard. Like I strongly believe life doesn't have to be so hard. And that's strong. I believe that like no one can tell me otherwise, like no one can come to me at this point and saying like, actually, that's not true. Like I know even if your story, that's true to you. Like I personally believe that there are things that you can do to change it. It just takes a lot of this internal work, like you said. And this is why we want to do this in the Dream Lab. We want to bring the conversations of personal growth to the forefront and the work that it requires for you to feel comfortable in not only your skin, but in your power. And most of all, surrounding you with a community that's going to support you through this process and to help you know, like, it's okay if you have a bad day, if you need to pivot your entire life, we're here yes. to support your growth. Yes. And sometimes some of the topics around personal growth are not always easy to hear because like she said, it's like, wow, like, wait, I created all this. Mm -hmm. And that means like, is there something wrong with me? No, but you now know how much power you have, right? And what you're able to change and really do for yourself and how everything is really in, everything is a mind shift around the corner, basically, you know? Yeah, as scary as it's, as scary as it is on the journey, 
it's really empowering when you realize, okay, well, if I just change my perspective a little bit, I actually have control of my life and where I want to go. And that's a good thing. Right. And it's okay to be in an evolving state of mind mm -hmm. and to know that if you want something different, if you want to change your mind, if you want to continue to explore that all those things are okay, because like you said, it's what other communities do. I remember when I left college, I was 22 and I was like, I have to get a job. I have to get a job and I have to start my career because I'll be behind, right? Fast forward later, everybody that I worked with when I got to like 25 or 26 years old, they were just starting. And I'm like, where have you been all these years? And now <laughs> we're the same, right? Oh, I've been traveling the world. I went to Europe. I went here. I was a bartender there. And I was like, yeah, me going to Paris to be a bartender is not something that was going to fly with my mom, you know? Yeah. And we don't know these things. And so we hope that these conversations just start to open up that door for you to think that whatever you, whatever's in your heart, it's not crazy. It's there for a reason. And you should explore what's there. Because the worst thing to ever feel is alone. I think. Yeah. When there's so many people out there that you can have a genuine connection with that have been there or are going through it and can be with right. you on the journey. Mm -hmm. yep. So if you want to continue this conversation, you can join the Dream Lab Collective. It's a community of women where we tackle these very topics and we have a topic every month. Uh, this month was about money and it was really interesting because money is not something that everyone's all that comfortable to talk about. But, but we all want it. But we all want it. And we <laughs> talked about the abundance around that. And if you want to just continue to grow, there's nothing like doing it in a like-minded community. So we welcome you. And if you want to learn more about it, just go to our Instagram, the.dreamlab, and hit us up on the DM or hit up Audrey or myself. And we are happy to answer any questions around that. Thank you for joining us and have a happy Friday. Happy Friday. Bye.